LinkedIn presents. I have never heard anybody talk about how your childhood trauma could show up in like entrepreneurship. Ooh, yeah, that is so true. Because when he and I have had hiccups, you know, full transparency, I have gone off on him, Ooh, okay? Whoo. Over voice notes, okay? You wanna say that again? <laughs> Over voice again? notes. Over some things. And he is so understanding, believe Like, he is so, Chase is so sweet. Chase has never raised his voice. Like, he is like, just the sweetest. Like, he really is, and so understanding. But there was something he did that I was like, hella pissed off. And I had to get it out on voice note. And so when we talked, I like, understood, like, I was completely out of line with my tone he understood where i was coming from but the tone was wild but anyway the point is that childhood trauma showed up for me because i felt like i wasn't i i was not consulted in a decision that he made with another entity that included our business and so just yeah just understanding that your childhood trauma will show up in entrepreneurship in partnership I think is worth, you know, exploring and talking about for sure. Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space Podstream Studios Times Square. This season, we are part of the LinkedIn Podcast Academy. So make sure to check out our show notes for information about our weekly newsletter and live events. In this conversation, I'm talking to Jen Brown and Chase Parker, the founders of Black-Owned Productions. Jen is one of our amazing executive producers here at DCP, but I was excited to have her on to learn more about her and Chase's company that has been elevating Black voices with integrity and care. Everything that they do with their media production company is based in serving others. As we talked about their journey, we got into how they established their individual roles as co-founders, the importance of working yourself into your budget, and a new definition around the term, side hustle. But we started with how they first came together to form their company. Me and Jen met, this had to have been like, what, 2018, 2019? 2018, yeah. It's been like five years now. Yeah. Um, so my mentor uh, was working at HBO at the time, and I believe Jen was also uh, at HBO as well. Mm -hmm. And um, they had this like, writers creative collective thing that was going of just people coming and sharing their own projects and stuff like that and my mentor was like oh like you should come like you know i know you're a writer i know you direct stuff like you're a creative like you should come mingle and all that stuff and jen was one of the people there mm -hmm. i think we may have done like two or three of them and i don't know we kind of connected there and then that group kind of like broke off because everybody like either moved to another state or like went to another, worked at another place or whatever. And Jen was still in the city. Mm -hmm. I had just written a short film and I was like, hey, Jen, like you want to you want to work with me? Like, just just come like help me out. Like, you want to be what do you want to do? Like, you want to be a producer? You want to like I just need help. Whatever. Was there just like a vibe? That it was just like a vibe. Like we would converse like during the you know, the meetups and stuff like that, just regular shit, like nothing crazy. But then I did the short film and I'm like, could you help me out? I just need help putting this mm -hmm. film together. Mm -hmm. 
And we did my first, not my first short film. This was like my fourth. We did my short film. I just like loved the vibe. Like she did an amazing job. And then. Well, thank you. Yes, you did an amazing job. <laughs> my dear. I haven't heard that yet. She's Thanks. done an amazing <laughs> job, my dear. Um, and then after that, that was like, what, 2019 or whatever, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Sure was. And Summer. then pandemic hits. Everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Ain't shit going on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I remember, I think I was having a conversation with Jen one time or whatever. I'm like, look, girl, <laughs> I know shit is shut down, but like. I can't just sit here and not do anything. Like, we have to do something. I have a camera. Let's go out and let's figure out how we can shoot something within, you know, the confines of the the regulations of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So we, I was actually doing video for another podcast. um, And I met this girl. Uh, Her name is Chanel. She goes by Queen Amazon. She's a dominatrix. And her story was just so prominent. And I was like, damn, like, we should interview her. And I remember I had asked Jen. I was like, yo, do you want to interview a dominatrix? She was like, I mean... First of all, (laughs) first of all, that is not me, that impersonation. But go ahead. Go ahead. She was like, I mean, it's risky, but let's do it. We interviewed Queen Amazon, amazing interview. She's an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. And after that, for some reason, I think that just had like a spark there. Like mm-hmm. Jen was like, yo, let's do this. Let's keep going. Is there anything else I could do? Can I find more guests? Like, let's take this shit full force. And ever since then, like it's been history ever since. Yeah, it has. That's why I like when he tells the story. It's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Did you know originally that like, it was going to be black-owned productions? Did you, like, maybe, even not necessarily the name, but did you know, like, that was what you, what you really want to focus on? Um, I think so, but I don't think it was, like, conscious. It was just that we are black. We are from this country. Mm-hmm. Our community is black people. So we wanted to tell the stories of the people that we know. So they happen to be black, but then we have the cultural and social currency to be able to continue to tell these stories in different ways. So that's why the Dominatrix was a really good start. And then moving on from there to do a black chef, to do a black celebrity tailor and stylist. Um, So no, it wasn't conscious. It was just like, this is what we know. This is who we are. Mm -hmm. This is our lane. and, And it's a pretty good one. Like as you're starting out, and obviously it's during the pandemic, like you're you're creating content, but like how are you getting out there to the world? Mm. Mm-hmm. Oof, you want to take sure, that? <laughs> sure, sure. How are we getting it out to the world? Yeah, well, in that moment, and obviously you can tell me where it's gone from there, but yeah, especially during those pandemic moments, like okay, you're creating great content, yeah. but it's another thing to have people actually find that great content. Got it. Um, I don't know. Honestly, God. <laughs> yeah, I love that answer. Amen. God, yes, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, even when we put out the um, first episode, which was the Dominatrix, we put that straight on YouTube. Yeah, and it resonated with so many people because that's a topic that most Black people don't, you know, we consider it taboo. So I think people secretly was like watching it. And it gained mm-hmm, a, a mm-hmm. great viewership or, online. And I think from there, we were like, okay, well, let's keep seeing how much we can put out 
in like a good amount of time to let people know that we're constantly putting out content. And yeah, again, like it's it's really like a rest is history kind of situation. I, what I will add though is that Dominatrix video first went on Chase's personal YouTube page. Mm. So this was before we even formed our company, Black Owned. So before we formed the company, we decided to start this series. Mm. We were just like, we're gonna start, we're gonna do it. We know what we're doing, but there are some parts where we're gonna have to just be we'll beginners yeah, and we'll we just figure, it figure it out. And be Becoming comfortable with that. Um, and because of that momentum, then we formed Black Owned Productions in the summer of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So as you're like forming that that framework, the structure of the company, like how do you figure out how you're going to delineate roles between you two? Because oh, I, I know a lot of times like when you're two founders, like there's lots of different <laughs> of opinion and oh, skill boy. sets that can sometimes overlap. Yeah. How'd you all work through that? What an awesome question. Um, I think we both just leaned into our strengths. Yeah. So the way that, you know, both of us kind of have these roles, I this is a new thing for you to hear. I am t sort of coining myself as the Lady Will Packer. So what that means mm. is, you know, I'm an ideas girl, format girl. I can bring things together, know how to run a production very well. Very this true. one here is, he pretty much wears all the hats, but I would say he's more of like the creative technical guy. So he's the one camera operating, directing, um, editing, um, you know, supervising production staff. So we sort of already had these strengths and they just happened to just work so perfectly together. When we weren't on each other's toes or doing anything that we weren't already comfortable doing, you know, there have been some things that are like completely kind of new to us mm -hmm. um, that we share responsibility with. I would say kind of budgeting is like that. Um, but yeah, that's but how like we just the core of it. The core of it was really, okay, you are the, you know, your strength is creative. My strength is more of the business, putting things together. Mm -hmm. And I think that worked to our benefit. Instead of looking at looking at it as a negative, it was like, okay, this works to our benefit because you can solely focus on this yeah. and not necessarily have to fully worry about the business end. And the same with Jen, like you don't have to worry so much on the creative end because I'll take full ownership of that. Therefore, you can work on your Will Packer style. <laughs> of, of, no, but I would say that like I think that's the reason why we kind of gelled well together because um, with me even starting out like I'm like a full creative person. Like I love to write. I love mm -hmm. to direct. Mm -hmm. I love visuals. I love nice and shiny things. Like I'm a creative. That's just I'm attracted to shiny things. And sometimes you need I, I genuinely feel like every creative needs a business partner. Yes. You need somebody who is going to tell you no, in a sense, sometimes mm -hmm. and Whenever you have a vision, someone's going to take that information and say, okay, this is the logistics of it. And too often, a lot of creatives don't necessarily have that. Mm -hmm. And fortunately enough, I had that in Jen, and I was able to kind of play on that. Okay, mm -hmm. this is what I want, Jen. This is what I envision. Mm -hmm. And Jen will say, okay, well, this is how we're going to put it together. These are the steps that need to be taken. This is where the money needs to go. We need to ration it here, here, and here, and things of that nature. And I think that that has made our... Uh, business like amazing i want to add something too i think it's important for us to redefine the word creative too mm. because both of us are creative mm -hmm. so the way that i'm able to 
work on a $20,000 budget to do eight episodes of an unscripted show. You have to get creative yeah. in order to be able very, to like make very, that very happen. Very, very low budget for those yes. who may not understand. Um, there are part of like, there, there are some productions, things like on set that I love as well. So meaning like set dressing, I love. Giving notes on um, episodes, I love doing that kind of thing. So we're both creative, but we both sort of shine just in different areas. And I would say that I love the lane that I'm in. I'm not being forced to do anything that I don't want to do, like how a lot of people kind of are, just because they have to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. But I feel like in our company, we are in the lanes that we want to be in and that we thrive in. And we also teach each other. Like, it's Definitely. not just, okay, this is your thing, Chase. Like, just do it. Definitely. It's like, how can I learn from you? And it's the same with Jen. Like, Jen, what can I learn from you? That, you know, things like contracts and things of that nature, yeah. I think I'm just starting to get into, like, the full, like, nitty-gritty of, like, a contract and breaking it down piece by piece and understanding what it is that you're getting into. Jen has more of an understanding of that. I don't just sit there and just be like, all right, take care of it. Right. It's like, okay, I'm going to sit here and walk through it with you, and I'll have any questions that, you know, in regards to the the contract that can help me, like, understand, therefore... When we do get a contract and we both sit in there, it's not just like one person like, okay, I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm just sitting there like, uh, <laughs> okay. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it's preparing too for later down the line. Exactly. Like, you know, something might That's happen right. to you and now you That's can pick right. up the slack because, you know, now you're each other's backup in certain areas. Yes, that might be your primary role, but now you can step in when need be or just be that second set of eyes because exactly. sometimes, you know, you miss things. Yeah. That's true. And with those, you know, essentially shoestring budgets, like how how has it been trying to figure out financing, you know, from those early days even till now? You know, I'm sure, you know, maybe you get hired by clients sometimes too, and they mm -hmm. don't necessarily have the mm -hmm. money to pay what it takes to create the vision that they want to. Like how do you then figure out how to still create their vision or how do you level set for them? We've been so blessed because our companies we formed in 2021. It's 2023 now, and we've been able to produce content for a company called Black Oak TV, and they have funded both of those series, I think, pretty well, considering. So they gave us full transparency because this is entrepreneur struggle, okay? <laughs> um, Appreciate it. So they gave us $20,000 to produce um an eight-episode series, unscripted, um, and then they gave us $40,000 to do another unscripted series, eight episodes as well. And so we learned doing budgets that most of the money, honestly, was in post-production. When you Very there. true. Yeah. Most of that was in post-production in the editing part. We are a company where we like to really take care of our contractors. And so we paid everybody a very fair rate. On one of the sets, we ended up feeding people as well and paying for their transportation. You know, we paid the production company a percentage. Uh, we were wearing so many hats. So, you know, we paid each other pretty fairly for, you know, for example, he would direct episodes, so he would get a fee for directing, but then he would also edit, so he would get an editing fee. Um, I would do accounting, so I would get an accounting fee, you know, those kind of things. So we just, we did a lot of research to be sure that we were being fair to ourselves, to the company, to the contractors. And yeah, I, yeah, that's how we did it. Well, I think it's also really important what you just mentioned there, too, because I think a lot of times, like, you know, when you're starting a company or, or just, you know, you're working with, you know, a small budget, a lot of times you cut yourself out. 
And and that's just not sustainable mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways. But to line to put yourself in as a line item, mm -hmm. the yes. same way you would pay another contractor, mm -hmm. even if you're maybe giving your mm -hmm. you know maybe not paying yourself as much mm -hmm. as you normally would uh, for that for that Correct. position, at least you're paying yourself something. And like yeah, you know, you're not going to bed thinking, what am I doing this for? And it's so it's so interesting that you say that because I didn't learn that until we started uh, Black Owned Productions mm -hmm. because. I was doing budgeted projects prior to this, but it was like, okay, I'm going to put all the money to making sure that this vision, but it's like, you know, your boy, rent's got, you know, I live in New York, like <laughs> rent is due. So I definitely think putting yourself as a line item and making sure that you're well paid enough to at least be able to cover your own expenses is definitely critical as well. Well, and both of you, I know, you know, do work outside of, you know, the company that you own, you know, mm -hmm. to obviously keep the lights on and things like that. What is the challenge trying to balance this thing that you're creating, the thing that I'm sure you want to be your, you know, the main thing that you're focusing on while still having these other jobs? It's just, it's honestly, it's a lot of sacrifice. Like, I think as an entrepreneur, and unfortunately, because of like social media, we're only given like the allure of being an entrepreneur, like right. the, yeah. the the being on a podcast right. or being on a panel, things of that nature. But we don't necessarily get into like the ins and outs of what entrepreneurship is. Like there is a lot of sacrifice that needs to be happening. You can't necessarily go out on vacation once a month. <laughs> you know, you may have to use that fund, you know, that funding for whatever project you have, you know, you may have to sacrifice your weekends or your nights mm -hmm. in order to make sure that you're able to get your projects or your business or whatever it is. You know, I would say like my first seven years in my 20s, like was just strictly for me just becoming a filmmaker and understanding the business and things like that. Like I could have been to Dubai. I could have been to Mexico. I could have been all over the world, but I knew I needed my money and I needed my weekends in order to make my projects in order to make my projects in order to to um, kind of move forward in my career and learn my craft, you know, and I got to pay the bills. So I need my nine to five job as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, too, about like nine to fives. Like, I hate when people say like nine to fives. Oh, yeah. No one works the nine to five. Don't I, you can't see it as a nine to five. You have to see it as a source of income. Like, don't just leave your nine to five to pursue your passion like you're eliminating your source mm. of Correct. income. So that's how I always saw it. Like I never saw it as a job. I just saw it as a source of income. I love this so much um, because I had a revelation recently about entrepreneurship and having a nine to five. And normally people say, you know, um, entrepreneurship is a, a side hustle to your nine to five. I'm revolutionizing that today. I am going to declare that my nine to five is my side hustle. Ooh, nice. Now, let me explain what that means, okay? That means that Jennifer Brown understands how important generational wealth is. I am preparing for my own future children, my nieces, my nephew, to inherit some things. And a part of this company is that. So my primary focus is this company. As far as my nine to five is concerned, I give so much to that. And there are clear metrics to show that. So for me, it's just a mindset thing. 
I don't ever want to get too comfortable with a nine to five because I've been down that road, particularly when I was at HBO for seven years. And don't get me wrong, that was a great life. I had a great life there. But, you know, I lost that job. So there is no, in my mind, security, no such thing as job security in that kind of traditional way. As long as I have my mind, meaning my brain, I have resourcefulness and resilience, I'll always have a job. I'll always be able to make money no matter what. So, So that's what I'm declaring today. I like that. It's yeah. funny, I, was, I was trying to stay away from the word side hustle to explain your business. I know you're going to say but, it. But, yeah. but, at the same, <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it, yeah. you know, that is how a lot of people define yeah. it. But you're doing these, you're doing that nine to five to to be able to create that generational work, exactly. to create this Correct. company. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That other work is the side hustle. Correct. Again, get to where you want to be. Correct. It's a source of income. It is. That it is. If you see it like that, instead of seeing it as a nine to five job, then you will you will change your whole mentality. It's a source of income. I do want to say though, with my current nine to five, this is the current nine to five that I have is the first nine to five that is related to what I'm doing now. Oh, yeah, well, I'm gonna say, do you I'm, know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah, yes. full transparency. Yeah, you work with me. You work this at DCP. This is my employer, yeah. <laughs> so I am getting I, paid to say these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I also take no offense to know that we're the side hustle because yeah. that's you know that's the way we wanted to be. Yes, but what I currently do um, is. The knowledge that I'm gaining, the things that I have been able to contribute to my nine to five are actually helping with our business. So I think that actually makes it easier, you know, to be able to give um, such a great contribution to my nine to five when I like it, when this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, So, yeah, I love building up other people's companies in addition to my own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't have to be an either or. Yeah. No, not at all. When, and I've noticed, you know, looking through your website, I noticed you guys have a marketing person on the team. Like, when did you realize, mm-hmm. and maybe it was in the very beginning, like, when did you realize you needed somebody else to join the team? And maybe there's even more people that I just don't know about yet. But, like, yeah, when was that idea? Okay, we need we need help. Well, the marketing person is my husband. Uh-huh. Shout out to Mr. Ishmael Brown. Shout out to Ish. The one that changed my name. Um, we knew that we needed a marketing person because that was his skill set, you know. Uh, marketing in general is is important for any product, and he's the homie. So we're building with homies. He's my homie. That's my homie. Ishmael is the homie that I go to, go home to every night. Um, so yeah, this is very Le- LeBron James of us, I would say. Right? <laughs> yeah, we do try yeah. to keep things in the family. Yeah, yeah. But um, what I would say to that is more so like we, when it comes to like marketing, branding, and stuff like that. I think going back to social media, I think too often entrepreneurs kind of just focus on that. Um, And it's great. I think building your brand is an amazing thing. But, you know, when we started, we weren't having any conversations about branding. We weren't having any conversations about marketing. Our sole goal was to create content. We want to build ourselves as a content brand. Mm-hmm. We need to first make content. Mm-hmm. So really when it comes to like entrepreneurship or, or building any business, like branding is cool, but like in the beginning, like focus on what your product or your service is. And too often people don't do that. They just, I need the, I need my brand to be big. I need social media following. I need engagement and stuff like that. And it's like, well, what's your numbers? Like, are you going to make payroll this month? You know what I mean? Like, are you going to be able to fund your business and keep it going? 
Focus on that. Focus on getting your first customer. Focus focus on getting your first client. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, continue to work on it. Build your track record. And then once you have a track record, then you could do the branding thing and the marketing thing because now you have something to show people, hey, look, this is what I've been doing. And I have the marketing dollars and the, the capital to to put myself out there more. Well, and we'll definitely talk more about like the exact success that you guys have had. But also, like it does seem like you've had some nice success early on. But has there still been like anxiousness around you know what you all are doing and just like okay, is this sustainable or hey, do we have the money to do the things that we want to do? Like, are there things that keep you up at night? No, no, that's amazing. <laughs> no, no, I think I, know. Um, I think at this point, you know, I've been in the film content industry for well over a decade like I'm extremely confident in my own skill and I'm extremely confident in my business partner skills so at this point like again this kind of goes back to what I was saying about building your brand like we have built up so much of a track record that we are just really good at what we do so therefore it's like there's never going to be a point where we feel like okay we may not even if we don't have clients or anything like right. that. It's like okay, well we right. have the we have the capabilities That's to right. go out and make our own content. So we don't necessarily need to source for clients. It's like, well, let's take this time to build our own brand and then we can go back once we, you know, have the the resources to do so. But at this point in my career, like it, in all arrogance, like I'm really good at what I do. Like I'm really good at what I do. Not in all arrogance. All the arrogance. In all the arrogance. All the, the arrogance. Um, I guess what I would say, maybe not anxiety per se, but just like a challenge. You know, like currently we are working on producing this prank show idea. And... um. It's not anything that one of our clients is, you know, funding. It's going to be um, a black-owned original, and we don't have a budget for it. Um, and so, you know, one of the challenges was, you know, how are we going to get people to help us with this with with no budget? So that definitely was like a, a challenge in my head. But people are helping us with no money. I think a part of that too you know, of people wanting to help us is that we offer, you know, not just credit, you know, for the episode, but we offer mentorship, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like we really love to serve our people. That's really the foundation of this company is serving our people. And so when we get the opportunity to mentor other people, uh, that really drives us. Um, we have a lot of experience. We have. We also have a lot of things to learn. But at this point, we can offer yeah. people what we what we know. What we know, and also too, like people have mentored us, so it's like yes. you have to pay it forward. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I think you're right. I think yeah, knowledge is a great currency, and I think we overlook that sometimes when you know. You help somebody out, you know, maybe years ago, and you know, you weren't doing it because you were hoping that you get something in return. Right. But all of a sudden, now that comes back to you. And I think you know, people see when it's coming from an altruistic place and not just the, okay, I do for you, you're gonna do for me, right? Right. Um, right. And it sounds like very much, you know, some of the model that you all have been doing, and you know, have you guys have seen a lot of success? Yeah, yeah. for sure, definitely. So with like finding some of those first deals, like how did you, you know, kind of find those situations with you know Oak TV? Uh, I love this because I love shouting out uh, a fellow black woman who helped us. Um, Corey Hale is the CEO and founder of Culture Banks. Culture Banks is a business news publication that focuses on 
black targeted audiences. Um, so I wrote for Corey Hale. Um, I was a journalist for her. And then coming to find out, he knew Corey. So going back to our the beginning of this conversation when we were doing our original series and trying to find black professionals to profile, I said, hey, I know this girl, Corey Hale. He's like, oh, my God, I know her. Um, <laughs> so we ended up profiling her, and she connected us with Black Oak TV and Quelly TV. And so we were able to license our original series, including her profile, to Quelly TV. And then Black Oak TV, um, we worked with them, talked to them for a while. That was like a long mm-hmm. whole ordeal. But anyway. The negotiation process? Y- yeah. Not even the negotiation. It was trying to figure out what to even do. Oh, for, exactly. yeah. yeah. Shout out to Uzo, who we love. We love you, Uzo. So, yeah. So she's the one that hooked us up. Uh, so thanks to her. And. I want to go off on a tangent here. I will not be here long, but (laughs) I love when we help each other. Black Americans help each other. It's so important. And I think that um, we get a bad rap for saying that we don't help each other because that hasn't been my experience. In real life and in history, we do it all the time. It's just that um, a lot of white patriarchal policies and laws come in and destroy what we create a lot. And then we have to, we're always like in a, in a state of rebuilding, you Mm -hmm. know, but we are so resilient. So, so awesome that we continue to like help each other. So just want to say that. I think that was excellent. And, you know, the helping each other thing and back to your, your, you know, LeBron James analogy uh, (laughs) of keeping it in the family. Are there ever times that, you know, it's still kind of early on, but are there ever times of like trying to figure out, okay, this is the time that we're, we're, we're just, you know, talking friend stuff or, or we're talking business stuff. Like, how do you kind of set the boundaries or, or do there need to be boundaries in the way that you go about your business? I mean, for us, I think we have pretty clear boundaries. I think it was pretty obvious getting into business. Don't let me fool you. We've had our <laughs> hiccups. And I think that's just normal. You have two individuals, yes. whether it's a relationship or a business yes. partnership, like you have two different individuals and they're, sometimes they're going to clash. So we've definitely had mm-hmm. our hiccups. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, I think the best relationships with anybody is if we can come to some type of resolution, then I think we can move forward. And I think with Jen, like regardless of the many hiccups that we've had, we've always come to some form of a, res- a resolution. We've always come to some form of understanding of each other. And for that, we were like, okay, we can – we can move forward. We can keep going. So I think, you know, hiccups are, it's inevitable. Like, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? So I think as long as you can come from a place of understanding and there is some type of, like, resolution with any type of disagreement, then I think you should be fine. And you know what's interesting about that, too? I feel like a lot of times, you know, conversation will talk about the ways in which, like, your childhood trauma shows up in romantic relationships, you know, or in this or that. But I have never heard anybody talk about how your childhood trauma could show up in, like, entrepreneurship. Yeah, that is so true. Because when he and I have had hiccups, you know, full transparency, I have gone off on him, okay? Over voice notes, You want to say that again? (laughs) Over voice notes, over some things. And he is so understanding, like, he is so... Chase is so sweet. Chase has never raised his voice. Like, he is, like, just the sweetest. Like, he really is. And so understanding. But there was something he did that I was, like, hella pissed off. And I had to get it out on voice note. And so when we talked, I, like, understood, like, I was completely out of line. 
with my tone. He understood where I was coming from, but the tone was wild. But anyway, the point is that childhood trauma showed up for me because I felt like I wasn't, I, I was not consulted in a decision that he made with another entity that included our business. And so just, yeah, just understanding that your childhood trauma will show up in entrepreneurship, in partnership, I think is worth, you know, exploring and talking about for sure. And I think with me, it was more so like, I do also have that like childhood trauma, but I think for me, it was like, okay, like I don't want to have this in my business. Yeah. I've had it in my relationships. I've had it in like my personal lives. I've had it with friends, but I don't want this in business. So I think in moments like that, you kind of come to a fork in a road and you're like, okay, am I going to continue on this tra- traumatic like response or am I going to use this as an opportunity to kind of change the course? And I think with that moment where I got that voice note and I was like, <laughs> I was in there like, oh, she she pissed off. <laughs> I was like, she really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in that moment, it's like, okay, because I could easily go off too. Like I could easily, what the fuck are you talking about? Da-da-da-da. And from there, the entire bridge breaks down. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, let me take this moment to come from a place of understanding and figure out how we can move forward in a good way. Because if I go down the other path, we wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. So what am I going to do in that, in that sense? Am I going to break the cycle or am I going to keep it going? Yeah, so you're able yeah. to use that trauma and use it as perspective for exactly. the situation. Mm-hmm. And okay, let's see a path forward. And also maybe even help with some healing for yourself of understanding, okay. For sure. I, I reacted emotionally or I reacted based on that trauma. And obviously you brought it up in this conversation. So mm-hmm. clearly now mm-hmm. you recognize it and clearly you recognize it within mm-hmm. yourself too. And so now this just makes life even easier moving exactly. forward and, and especially within the business. Yeah, that's it great. It does. I mean, that's one of, I think, his biggest, um, like one of the most admirable characteristics that my business partner has. He really shows up. He shows up. And I just love that he just shows up. Because my thing is like if my thing is this, and I always tell people this, like once I once I take the train off the brake, once the train is moving, like we moving, like we not stopping at all. Mm-hmm. We'll slow down. Don't get me wrong. It's cool to slow down, but we not stopping. And as long as you're willing to ride with, with your boy, I'll go to the depths for you. Like I will go to the I will go Ocean Gate like going Not down Ocean to the Gate. Titanic. Oh, Lord, <laughs> I will go all the way down to the Titanic Not to the depths of the sea. Forgive me for that. Rest um, but but you you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I like know what you mean. Yeah. I will I will that go to loyalty. I will yeah like yeah. I'm ride or die loyal to you, and as long as you ride with me, I will be loyal to you forever. I will go to the depths of the sea for you. So when the train's moving, just ride with your boy. And as long as you were riding with me, and I think that's the reason why this partnership even started is because the train started moving and I'm like, Jen, I'm getting ready to do this project. Do you want to be a part of this? And she was like, yeah, I'm willing to ride with you. And ever since then, I was like, okay, I see you going hard just as much as I'm going hard. If you put in the same amount of effort that I'm putting in, I'm going to ride with you. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's important. Are you yeah. putting in the same amount of effort? I think that's a really, really integral piece of that too. You don't want to feel like you're the only yeah, one you don't pulling wanna, the train. That's exactly. Right. That's right. Well, so, you know, again, you guys have been doing a great job pulling this train together. Like you've probably touched on a little bit of it already, but yeah, talk about some of these wins. Like, what's the great things going on for the company right now, for, and even for you all personally? You want to start? You can start. I think I think for a business that has, it's relatively still young. Yeah, very, very young. Um, I think we have accomplished a lot to to be within our first year of business and already secure two clients. Like that's a win within itself, regardless of budgets, regardless mm -hmm. of money, none of that stuff. Like the fact that we got into business and were able to secure clients and continue to make content, I think is a win within itself. I think just even starting just making content together in general, like, Amen. you know, like we were, like we said, it was during the pandemic. We were in a time of like extreme uncertainty. People were losing their jobs. We all, we lost our we both lost of us our didn't jobs. Have a job. It was just so much going against us in that sense. And the fact that we pulled together and created something great, I think, is a win within itself. And I don't know. We still rocking. Like, that's a win within itself, too. Like, we're still going. We're still making content. And we're still putting our stuff out there. Yeah. Thank you, Jen Brown and Chase Parker, for joining us on Entrepreneur Struggle. And thank you for listening. You can learn more about Jen and Chase's work by going to our show notes, which is also where you can get more information on how to stay up to date on everything Entrepreneur Struggle. We're doing monthly live events, so make sure you're following me on LinkedIn to learn more. Thank you to my producers, Heather Johnson, Brittany Temple, and Mike DuBose. Thank you for the support from the LinkedIn Podcast Academy. And until next episode, stay safe and healthy because the struggle is real. Is real.